Well, hello there and welcome to Planet Now, the podcast. This is episode one. And the reason I'm starting this thing, I decided without much fanfare, really, that I've had absolutely enough of talking about starting a podcast. And I actually just decided to do it. 2017 is almost over, almost done. We can just about stick a fork in this one. I've been talking about this for at least a couple of years. And the only things that have changed are time and the amount of gray hair sprouting through my scalp. So (laughs) I decided to just go ahead and do it. My name is Liz and I'm your host. So I talked to some interesting folks as an editor and a reporter at my day job, if you can call it that, because I hardly work days. But when I report most of the time, well, just about all of the time, I record way, way, way more tape than I will ever, ever need for the super, super succinct stories that we use on air. And even on the web, they're pretty, they're pretty brief and, uh, and straight out and to the point. Part of the reason I'm starting this podcast is so I can have a place to use that extra tape. So let's get to it. With episode one, Let's step into a conversation I had with author Carmen Hope Thomas. Now, she wrote a book called Why Marry a Man You Don't Need, a candid conversation about marriage, money, success, and the black woman. And when I read this book title, I was a bit intrigued right away. Now, Carmen Hope Thomas says, you know what? It's okay if a woman doesn't need a man because in our current times, need does not have to drive us into marriage. Oh, and that us means anyone. Here's Carmen Hope Thomas. Well, I think the question is why? And everyone needs to define their why, whether they're getting married or they're deciding not to get married. Having the information helps you because what happens is people get their why defined at 23 and at 28 and maybe at 35, all of that changes. So your why is going to change over the years. And so we have to be productive in the conversation. And so that's what the book is really about. It asks the question why. It gets you talking about the purpose of marriage. And I think a lot of people have missed the purpose of marriage. The purpose of marriage has nothing to do with the other person supplying any need for you. Okay, that has nothing to do with it. People say, well, I don't need him to take care of me. Well, you shouldn't because that's not what he should be for. Or I don't need him to have kids. Well, you shouldn't because that's not what he should be for. We have to understand that marriage is an institution designed to do something. And that something needs to be talked about. That something is marriage is a character building opportunity. I don't care what your faith is. I don't care what you believe. You could be a Buddhist. You could be a Christian. You could be Jewish. You could be whatever. That character building opportunity, you can't get it anywhere else. People say, well, oh, I could live with somebody if it means having someone in my house. Well, great. Well, living with someone, buying a home with someone, then having children with someone, raising those children to the end of your years with that person, going through the life changes with that person. When your parent dies, that person. When your child dies, that person. When you have a life-altering experience, that person. That's the character-building opportunity that a lot of women and men are opting out of. And that's what I'm trying to get people to understand. You miss a huge opportunity when you opt out. So what if you choose to live with a person because you have some common law Mm -hmm. situations, you've been with them for so long, no one is going anywhere. Can you get the same thing from that situation as well? If you're committed to a person for life, regardless of an agreement, say, that you have with the state in form of a formal marital contract. 
Well, I've been asked this question before, and I always say it is a personal decision. But let me put it to you this way. If you are agreeing and you're saying that this is something that you want to do, what does it hurt to put it on paper? I mean, you're saying this is something I'm going to do. Okay, there are benefits in this country for making that decision. So you're saying I agree to do it, but I'm not going to do it on paper. I'm going to opt out of the benefits, but I'm going to agree to do it. What purpose is that? It builds character to make that choice. It really does. And so when you choose not to, that doesn't say anything about your relationship. All it says was you didn't mean enough for that person to make that decision about you. So what are some of the whys? Why should people get married? I know the book explores some of them. What are some of the whys that you you discuss in the book? Well, it's funny. I leave the why open the entire book, because everybody's why is going to be different. What we really talk about, as you notice, the subtitle is a candid conversation about marriage, money, and success. We live in an information age, but when you have so much information, people take sound bites of information, take them out of context, and they run with it. All men are in jail. They're no good men. So that's not true. When we look at the statistics of men in jail, the overall statistics of men in jail, the ones that are marriageable between the ages of maybe 25 and 34 dwarf in number compared to the whole, when they say all men are in jail or most black men, for example, are in jail, they're looking at from 18 to 64. Well, you're not going to necessarily marry a man that's in his 60s or he could be married already. So you can't look at those statistics and use them as your reasons why. I tell women all the time, you're working with part of the information. I think you need to have a full conversation before you use that as your reason. Okay, so statistics might say one thing, but you're saying that that's not the full picture. Sure. And then I also argue, who's to say that all black men need to marry black women? Who's to say that all white women need to marry white men? You know, we have to get out of the box of trying to stay with our race, quote unquote, because oftentimes if there's someone for you, in order for you to find them, you've got to take down all the barriers because they may come at you in a way that you didn't expect them to come. So you have to say, you know what, I'm willing. I'm just going to let down everything and allow myself to date, to meet, to see, to explore, because I don't know. And I've met many women who have done that and have said, wow, I'm so glad I did because I would have never met him. I would have never met her if I would have stayed in that box. They have to be tall. They have to be light-skinned or they have to be blonde hair. All that stuff, you need to let all of that go. And that's when you find someone. Another thing that I argue is once you understand what marriage is really for, that's when you find them. Because when you have your own idea of what it is, you're not going to find them. What is the idea that they should have, that it's a character-building experience, that it's not all about self and what someone can do to fulfill me? Exactly. I think that our society in general is in trouble because we have generations of children who have come into the world in broken situations. And then they grow up and marry broken, and broken begats broken. And so now we live in an age of, you know, alternative facts and, you know, all this craziness because everyone wants to, you know, define what they want on their own and everyone has their own idea. And so now truth becomes relative. And so now with the foundation of that 
character building opportunity that I talk about, the covenant of marriage, the very idea that I've gone into in an agreement with someone and I'm going to be honorable and stay true to them, that creates other opportunities for you to be honorable and true. Your children, they get an opportunity to envision that honor, that truth. You know, my son said something to me that really hurt me to my core, but then I realized it's because he witnesses it in our home. He said, Mommy, I wish so much that people were loving and kind. So as we talked and I explored that with him, he just said that, you know, in school, kids will say they'll do one thing and then they don't do it. He has this little business where he sells popcorn and sodas. And so one kid saw him someplace and said, oh, bring me one to school tomorrow. I'll bring the money. And he took the soda to school and the kid didn't have the money, but he wanted the soda. So my son said, I honored my end, but he didn't honor his. He didn't understand that. But what I argue in the book is we need to get back to a place where we understand that marriage has nothing to do with you, but everything to do with us. People go into marriages and they've already written their out. They've already decided how they're going to get out. I can get out if I do it this way. I, I'm, this is how I'm getting out. And they haven't even walked down the aisle yet. So that's my whole thing. My kids are really my grounding factor because they really notice that in other people's homes, they don't live like we live. And that's what I'm trying to do. The dedication page in my in my book is to the daughters that my sons will marry. I'm dedicating the book to them. Because I know what I'm putting into my sons. I just pray that there's another family out there that's doing the exact same thing with their daughter. Another question I wanted to ask is is to go back to your statement about marriage being about us and not about just what I can get from it. Would it be accurate to say that marriage, even though it involves two people, mm-hmm. it's about community? Absolutely. Good marriages create good families. Good families create great communities. Great communities make amazing towns and cities. And you know where I'm going with this. It just keeps going. What has happened, you don't have to look far. Sure, you may say Washington, D.C. is a great place to live. Everyone's healthy and they're doing their thing. But crime is a problem. I'm not saying that a good family could necessarily change all of that. But I can say that there's some neighborhoods people live in where they don't feel crazy if they don't lock their doors. They may forget one night and it's not something that's absolutely, oh my God, we got to go back home. I left the door open. You know what I mean? I think that we have to get back to the rudiment of what a marriage was supposed to be for. And it's really to create a safe environment, not only for yourself, but for your kids. And then that, if your neighbor is doing it and that neighbor has a neighbor that's doing it, it just creates an entire community where you could feel safe. Okay, so in the book, you specifically mention why should a woman marry a man? Can gay couples, lesbian couples, glean some knowledge from this as well, even though it's specifically geared toward heterosexual couples? I did not speak specifically to gay marriage. And I'm going to be honest and say it's only because, A, I don't really know personally any gay married couples. And I could have said something about it to be politically correct. I think my publisher and I kind of chatted about that, but I didn't because I didn't want to be, you know, doing it just to say I said something about it. I wanted to do it with integrity to be able to say that I did it because, you know, I know someone and I've seen it and I've experienced, you know, being around them, whatever, because I can't say that. But I do believe that a gay couple, a lesbian couple could read this and they would glean some knowledge from it because the principles remain the same. I think the principle of making a commitment remain the same. 
It's about community. And I think for me, it's about our children and the next generation. Because we have to be honest and say to ourselves, what we are experiencing today is definitely not what we want our children to be, uh, to think is normal. Because it's not. Uh, If anybody says it's normal or that they'll be okay, they're lying to themselves. We've got to do a better job of displaying integrity and truth in our marriages, in our families, so that our kids can see, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. That's what I want to be. Because really, children want to please us, and they'll do whatever we do. So what about single folks who are open, but they just haven't found mm-hmm. anyone or mm-hmm. the relationships that they're in just don't work? Is it is it that person's problem, or is it just that some people weren't meant to get married? I will never subscribe to the thought that some people are not supposed to get married. Like, that's never going to come out of my mouth. And the reason why is because I began to say that about myself. I got married at 36. That's old in some minds. People say, wow, you waited that long. But I also know some that waited longer and they're happy. I firmly believe, and this is just my theory, I haven't tested it, (laughs) that if you are over 35, you probably know who your husband is. You just don't want to marry him. (laughs) (laughs) So we should all just go looking in our phones. Hmm, He's not married. He ain't married either. Yeah. He's not married. And see, what, <laughs> what happens is because we wait and procrastinate and we hold out and hope that it's not them or not him, life happens. And that person may have a child with someone or something life-altering may happen for them. And, you know, all of this baggage piles on because we are hell-bent on not doing it, you know? And so I, I want us to single people that I'm speaking to specifically, to understand that you are missing out on a huge opportunity when you say to yourself, I'm not going to even open myself up to the possibility. You're just missing out on a huge opportunity. That's what I would like for a single person to really ingrain in themselves. And in reading the book, you establish your why And I tackle all of the misnomers, the stats, and all of that stuff that you think is true. Take all of that down and open yourself up. And once you understand what marriage is really for and not what you think it's for, that's when you find that special someone. And so, of course, I'm going to ask this. I know you talk about this in the book. Sometimes there are women who they're on a really good career track Mm -hmm. and they think, marriage might diminish Mm -hmm. that particular track. That's very funny. When I got married, I owned two homes, my primary residence, and then I had a rental property. When I met my husband, I had two cars. I had a BMW that I drove to work and a Lexus that I drove on the weekends to church or um, out with people. You had a work car and a church car? Exactly. Go ahead, girl. I was a (laughs) six-figure income earner when my husband and I started dating, and that was a question for me because I far outweighed my husband when we were dating. Where the character building came in for me was being willing to open myself up to the fact that he was an amazing man. He was good-looking, he was well-traveled, he was educated. And when I began to create an environment, now I'm I'm a woman of faith, so the Bible says that women should be a help me. Now, A lot of people say, well, I don't want to help him. He needs to get his, you know, whatever. He's supposed to be a man. He (laughs) needs to do it himself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But I believe that that help meet quote really means to create an environment where they can win. And that's what I did. 
I created an environment where he had a safe refuge, where he felt empowered. I didn't, wasn't lying to him. I just allowed him to be, to express himself, to be vulnerable. I didn't beat him up. I didn't say, you need to be doing this. You need to be doing better. Where's your money? Where's your this? I didn't do any of that. There were many times I remember going to dinner with him at, I lived in Miami at the time, and I'd be on South Beach, and I'd always drive my car because I was not riding in a Honda Accord. You know, those were standards I had, you know. But I say that to say it's that kind of silliness that I could have missed out on my husband. Now I don't work. My husband is the breadwinner in our family. I haven't worked since I've been married. I've done projects like writing books and traveling and speaking like what I'm doing now. I produce, you know, my background's in radio. I produce things uh, all the time. I have a studio in my home. He takes care of me and my children. I would have never, ever dreamed that in a million years. But it's because I created an environment for him to win where he knew that I was his cheerleader no matter what. He was able to far outweigh me within four years. He was making as much as I was making, and then later he his far exceeded me. I say all that to say women need to understand that men don't want to compete with you. They're not looking for somebody to compete with them. That doesn't drive a man to compete with a woman. What drives a man is for a woman to be supportive, period. It just means that you support his ideas. You support what he's trying to do. One thing that I mentioned in the book, of course, as I said before, I'm a woman of faith. I believe that if he's the priest of my house and that Christ is the priest of him, then I should be willing to allow him to steer the ship. And a lot of women, that's hard to do, especially when you've been driving your own ship for years. I was driving my own ship. Built it. Built the ship. <laughs> painted the ship. Named the ship. You know, but... I had to be open to allow him to do that. And I never forget the day that it hit me. You know what, Carmen? You could live a whole lot better than you were living when you were by yourself if you just would allow this man to be. And that's what I did. I stepped back. There'd be years I didn't know who the mortgage company was or even how much the mortgage was, you know? For years, I didn't know a lot of things because I purposely took a step back. Now, was I being stupid? Of course not. If I needed to pick up the reins, I could have. And we had ups and downs in our marriage where there were times where he had nothing going on and I had to pick up the reins. But I didn't do it in a way that belittled him or made him feel as though he was less than. Life happens. Things happen. When I got sick and I had a very amazing experience where I could have died, my husband stayed with me for an entire month. A month where he did not go to work. He was with me. And so a lot of women need to understand that we miss out on a huge opportunity when we, and there's a place in the book where I talk about it, where it's called place value. We place value on things instead of this man that could possibly bring to you more than you could ever imagine. We have to change that. Our place value needs to be different where we place value. Once we do that, I'm telling you, you will find your husband because you'll understand that there's a value in being married that's higher than you think it is. And the goal should be, overall, the goal should be community. Community. I think that if you started thinking about the next generation of you, what legacy are you leaving? 
Back in the day, if you remember, there was a time in our history where people took painstaking detail about legacy. People really, really believed that they wanted to be able to look back down their legacy with pride. We don't have that. We could care less. Our kids are on their own once we're gone. And that's sad. That's a very sad commentary that we believe that being alone, having these careers is worth more than legacy. It's not. And that's Carmen Hope Thomas, author of Why Marry a Man You Don't Need, a candid conversation about marriage, money, success, and the black woman. Get more information about her book in the description of episode one. You can also get it at planetnown.com. My name is Liz. Thanks for joining me on Planet Now. And until next time, bye, y'all.